Welcome to the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host, Aaron Arnstein. Welcome to episode 89 of the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. I am here to talk with the voice of Hoosier baseball, Austin Render, about the Hoosiers team upcoming with a huge weekend series this weekend against the Terps in Bloomington. Austin, how are we doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Aaron, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm excited. I'm sure as you guys are for this weekend, it should be a ton of fun. And I think what, what stands out the most to me, you know, about kind of the, the turnaround is, is the turnaround you guys have been having in conference play. You start out 13 and seven heading into the conference play. And, and since then, Hoosiers are 18 and four. Uh, you're first in the conference, a game behind Maryland. What do you think has changed between the first couple of weeks of the season and where this team is at now? I think they stepped out early out of their comfort zone on purpose uh, to play Auburn and Texas and East Carolina there along the beach day early in the season uh, because they wanted to test themselves. That's something this, that this staff values is throwing these guys into the fire early because as they've said, look, if you want to make it deep in June and now if you host a regional, it's a little different, but if you want to make it deep in June, you're going to have to go into some of these environments and win. So they they wanted to put these these guys in Auburn and in Austin, Texas, and at the Keith Leclerc Classic in East Carolina, and have them play in front of these ruckus crowds against very good teams. So I think the record was yeah, it was it was a five and six start coming off the first three weekends of the year, but you were okay with that because you went you got one at Auburn, you got one at Texas, which are good resume boosters. And then once they hit March, they had a huge homestand. I believe it was 15 of 16 games at home. And they rallied all those off. They won every single game at home in the month of March. And that just kind of felt like, okay, they got the good test early. They found out what it's like to face these elite teams. They were close to winning both of those series at Auburn and Texas. And then they come home. They play some teams like a Bellarmine and a Moorhead State. Uh, and they just kind of got rolling. And I certainly believe in momentum in sports and this team kind of found some there in the month of March and it has carried uh, into big 10 play. Ohio state was a, a beautiful series. I thought they played incredibly well. And then you grinded a couple out against Penn state, grind a couple out against Iowa, Illinois. And now here you are in first place in the big 10. And you mentioned wanting to play into June, uh, you know, after an under 500 record in the conference last year, yeah, they beat number one seed Maryland in the big 10 tournament. They're probably not what they were hoping for in terms of an end result. What were the expectations coming into this season? Yeah, I, I think it's it's completely fair to just label last season as a disappointment. Um, this is a program that from about 2012 till 2019 got used to being in an NCAA regional. That's just that's where Indiana baseball found itself in June. And 2020 was obviously a season where it looked promising and then it gets shut down for COVID. And then 2021 was a hugely disappointing finish to the season. They were in first for a long time, didn't end up even making NCAA regional. And then last year was that they just kind of fell on their face. I mean, it was the pitching was what will grab most of the attention with an ERA over seven. Um, but they just they weren't consistent offensively either. And they were very young. So I think in the offseason, there was hope and optimism, especially within the building. Within the building, there was a ton of confidence that they were going to take a big step this year. 
I think on the outside it was okay. They had four guys on the all big 10 freshman team last year. Like maybe those guys take a step up. They were returning eight of nine guys in the offensive lineup and a complete overhaul on the mound. So again, it was, can the offense take a step forward? And then it was a giant question mark with the pitching group. And that group has pitched admirably. I'd say some have done exceptionally well. Some have been hit or miss, but it's a, it's almost a two and a half run improvement in the ERA right now than where it was at the end of the season a year ago. So I think it's fair to say that Dustin Glant in his second season has done a terrific job with that staff. He still says there's there's ways to go, and, and that's every coach is going to say that. But I think, yes, coming to answer your question, coming into the season, there was optimism. I think we just needed to see it play out first. And the way they were competitive at Auburn, competitive at Texas, then they went on this run in March and now into April – you're starting to see, okay, and then this team is all in. They have they have full belief. There's no doubt in their minds that they are good enough to not only play into June, but to win a regional and to move forward. This is a team playing with a ton of confidence. They had that preseason, and I think they're starting to instill that into the fan base now. And you talk about the confidence. It just jumps out to me, 22-1 and record at home. Uh, that was a big key to Maryland's success last year was the dominance that they, that they had at their home park. Uh, with the team, you know, having such a great record this season at home, you know, it was good last season, but nothing like this season. What do you think has made Indiana nearly unbeatable at Bart Kaufman Field? I think there's there's multiple things. The first one I always say is that there's just some sort of magic at this place. It's almost like I think it's like a 77% win percentage since it opened in 2013. Um, it's, it's a place that has featured some of the wildest walk-off comebacks, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't have to look too far when we played Iowa, uh, two weeks ago, we had the, the Morgan call up at zero, zero into the 10th inning with okay. one hit. And then we get a hit in the 10th and then pinch hitter Morgan call hits a two run Homer off the foul pole, uh, to win the game. I mean, the, you just don't you don't script that stuff. This guy who's hitting 150 comes in and 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 he granted there's a lot of talent. Morgan Colopy, he's just been struggling, but but just bangs it off the foul pole and it's a home run. And I also do think there's something and and I've I've asked the same question to to Coach Mercer and and the guys a lot this year. Like, what is it? Like, is there is there something in the water? Is is it something you eat? Like, what is it? <laughs> And the thing that comes back the most from from Coach Mercer is that they are in a routine. There's, hey, if you need to stay after for a little bit extra, you're at your own facility. You can kind of control what's going on in your own building. Whereas when you're on the road, yeah, there's a schedule and you stick to it. But there's not a whole lot of flexibility in like if this guy's struggling, can he stay after in the cages a little bit, try and work through something? Can he come in early before practice and get a one-on-one with the pitching coach? Like, yeah, they can meet in the hotel, but on the road, it's just not the same. So I think that's led to it. A lot of the comfort. I mean, you you know it. Everybody knows it. When you when you're in your own bed, you just feel a little bit better. When you're sleeping in a hotel, sometimes you just you get that bad pillow or something. I don't know. It, it, you can boil it down to little things like that. I think they're also very comfortable on their turf. Um, I think the turf is very fast and that can play to their advantage. I think they know when to try and turn a single into a double. They can kind of read it in the outfield. They also know 
as outfielders when somebody is trying to turn something into a double when they shouldn't be. And we've stolen some outs because of that guys trying to take extra bases, but the ball gets to the outfield faster. Um, So I think they're very, very familiar with their turf. They know how to play on it. Um, And the wind always blows out at the bar. Um, And that's just, this has been a team that's always hit a lot of home runs, not this year, not really their specialty this year, but it's typically something that they, they know how to handle. They play with it a lot. Um, there's a lot of factors. Is, is there one thing that you can point to? No, it, it just, it, and, and, and to be honest with you, it's the record is slightly fluffed because you played, I mean, four games against Bellarmine, three games against Moorhead state, several midweek games against teams outside the top 200 RPI, but to win a series at home against Iowa to sweep Ohio state at home. Those are good wins to beat Louisville, to beat ball state, to beat Indiana state. Um, there's plenty of good meat on that bone. And I, I just, I always just attribute it to the, the magic of Bart Kaufman field. You mentioned, you know, the non-conference opponents that you guys have played during the current eight game win streak that Indiana has six of those eight games have been against non-conference opponents, but, you know, putting that aside, what do you think has been working out specifically working well, specifically for Indiana during this recent win streak? Yeah, I, Right now, it's it's the offense. I mean, they've scored seven or more runs in their last seven games. And this season, Indiana, I believe, is 20 and 0 when they score seven or more runs. Last season, they were 23 and 11. So they lost a ton of games in which they scored a ton of runs, but the pitching just was never consistent enough. I mean, we lost so many games last year, like 15 to 12. I mean, you score 12 runs, you can't lose a baseball game or you shouldn't lose a baseball game. And so that was a big emphasis this year. And they're undefeated when they get to that seven run mark. Now they're winning games nine, eight. They're giving up the seven runs, but they're still scoring more. Um, And as of late, they've scored, they've had 10 or more hits in nine of their last 11 games. They were held to eight hits the other day uh, against Ball State, but still found a way to score nine runs. And I think that's just that's what this pitching staff needs. They get out early. I mean, they're up five nothing on Ball State the other day. They get out early on Ohio a couple of times, and all of a sudden the pitchers are pitching with some confidence because their offense is giving them a three four five run. Pitchers, I just think, are pitching with more confidence. Luke Sennard's your ace. He's going to give you what he gives you on a Saturday. But they're fine. I mean, guys are filling into their roles. Seti Manasse is a starter who's going to give you two to four innings. He's going to go through one, maybe two times through the order. Uh, Brooks eye is starting to develop into more of a, Hey, give me three or four innings from you. They're not asking for these six, seven inning starts from most of their starters. If Sonar gives them that, that's great, but they have some guys in the bullpen. Ethan Phillips is really developing as a long reliever. Ryan craft is obviously one of the best in the conference. And then you have some guys on the back end. Craig Yoho has been really good. And Connor Foley's really coming on here of late. Braden Reisdorf has been solid. Um, so I think it's the combination of the offense is really clicking. And I think part of that is because the lineup is not changing anymore. Uh, they're in their spots. They're comfortable. They know when they're going to bat. They know where, where they're going to field. And, and then the pitching staff is developing, coming along and improving. And they have lots of depth in the bullpen, which is something they did not have last year. Yeah, it's, it's interesting going back to something you mentioned before is the offense, you know, Maryland's put up double digit runs a lot of their games as well, run totals a lot of their games as well. And it's just that the pitching has definitely plagued them this season. And, and you talk about the wind blowing out. 
in Bloomington. I, I think we could have a big offensive series, as I've said, really all big 10 play long with the Terps. Uh, you know, usually, usually a lot of their, their, uh, their games are high scoring. They had a 17 run inning yesterday, which tied the, uh, tied the, uh, the nation's uh, record this season in one inning. So the team, the team, yeah, I think, you off. know, when you put Indiana and Maryland on the same field, <laughs> you're expecting to see some runs. Now that didn't happen in Omaha last year because Omaha was Omaha. It's tough to get the ball out of that ballpark. But uh, if you're playing at, at the turtle or if you're playing at the Bart, uh, you're going to, you're going to see some runs. Uh, we, we saw that, what was that? 2019, 18, when Indiana came to, to Maryland and, that series was bonkers, runs all <laughs> over the place. Um, I would expect that uh, as good as some of these pitchers are, I mean, Savakul, Dean, Sonar, you're going to see some good arms. You're also going to see a lot of runs, and mm-hmm. that may not be to the fault of these pitchers. But to me, it's just going to be who can who can give you the best arms for nine innings. Is it going to be somebody winning 10-7 and feeling like they gave a good pitching outing? I mean, that's what it may be. If you can keep a team to single digits, that may be all you need to win in this series. But I am with you. I would expect now the weather is not going to be amazing. Um, there is some some rain and some cold, which is certainly going to hurt the ball flight. But I would still expect to see some runs. And, you know, looking at the series specifically, is there a sense around the program that this is a big time series, you know, coming into the Big Ten, you know, coming in against the Big Ten champs, number one versus two in the standings? Or is this feeling just like around the team, like any other Big Ten matchup? I think that's what they would tell you um, as they as I'm sure when you talk to Maryland as well. Hey, it's just another series. Um, But I did think it was interesting. I was talking to Coach Mercer for our pregame interview against Ball State. And he said, we've got to we've got to rest some guys today in the bullpen to keep them on schedule for Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously winning at Bell State, who's a top 100 RPI team, is important. That That's important if you want to be a regional host. But there's clearly an extra importance on what is coming this weekend on this Maryland team that this is your best RPI opportunity in the Big Ten. It's your best chance to kind of separate yourself from the conference from the defending champs. I think I mean from my from my perspective I don't think I can hype this up enough. I think it's as big of a series probably it's probably the biggest series at Bart Kaufman Field you could argue mm. since 2018 2014 like you could argue these could be the biggest games at Bart Kaufman Field since the Stanford Super Regional in 2014. You could argue that because if you want to be a host school and this team can be, and how good they've been at home, how valuable that could be. If you want to be a host team, you've got to win this weekend series. You don't have to sweep it. By no means do you have to sweep it, but you have to win it. And so I think this is about as big of a series that we have had at Bart Kaufman Field in some time. And I, I hope that the fans understand that. Uh, the weather doesn't look great, but I hope we can get some fans out there. And I know the team is going to, they're going to go in. They're, they're as young as they still kind of are they're not in their experience. I mean, it's a sophomore class that played from day one last year. So they kind of feel like almost juniors in their experience level. Um, there's guys like Philip Glasser, Bobby Whalen, Peter Ceruto, guys who have been through this stuff before. So I'm not too worried about them over hyping themselves. Um, the, the thing is, though, this team has at times struggled on Fridays. That is that is one of their issues. Um, or even just first games of series, I guess, because Ohio St- or uh, Penn State was pushed back a day. 
Um, but they lost on Friday to Iowa. They lost on Friday to Illinois, and they lost in their first game Saturday to Penn State, won the doubleheader on Sunday. Um, you got to come out, and I think it just makes the weekend a lot easier, and I'm sure Maryland thinks this too. You got to go out there and get game one. Game one feels very, very important, sets the tone for the weekend because this team has played from its back foot a lot this year in terms of being down one to nothing in a series. And yes, they continue to win the last two because it does help when your ace starts your game on Saturday, but they've, they've got to find a way to get that first game. Yeah. Maryland, uh, Maryland's had a penchant for winning big 10 series, 18 consecutive series wins. They haven't lost since, uh, you know, about two years ago to the date uh, in big 10 play in series. I wanted to mention something you said, you know, you mentioned that the, your, the ACE for the Hoosier starts on Saturday. Why, why is that? Well, he started as the Sunday guy. Um, he's a transfer from Western Kentucky, Luke Sonard. He was from the scouting report that I got from talking to the coaches preseason was he was going to be a bullpen guy to start, move him into a starting role. Well, it just so happened. They started him from the get go. He started as the Sunday guy for the first couple of weekends. And that was when Indiana was winning. He was giving them some good stuff. So they moved up into a Saturday role week three uh, against Georgetown, won that game. And he's just kind of hung out in that spot since they don't really want to move him up. And the reasoning for that is that they've got one starter. That's just where this team is at right now. They've got a couple of openers, but they've got one starter. And so they don't want to have him start on Friday. And presumably give you his five to seven inning performance. But then Saturday and Sunday are kind of staff days. If you pitch him on Saturday, Friday can be a staff day in a way. They, they've managed these well. Like last Friday, they only used three pitchers. Because if you can use Ryan Kraft and get four innings, five innings out of him in relief, that's big. But you use your pitchers on Friday Let's say like a Connor Foley comes in, gets you a save in the last inning. He could then pitch again on Sunday. So their thought process is let's use our starter on Saturday to bridge the gap in a perfect weather world where you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which, as you know, in Maryland is not always nope. how things work. Um, but you want to try and get him to pitch on Saturday and then have guys around him to where you could potentially pitch a Craig Yoho, a Connor Foley, a Ryan Kraft multiple times if you need to. And, you know, switching from from pitching to to at the plate, there seems to be just looking at the stats, a good mix of power and patience in this lineup. You guys are top five homers, average walks in the conference. Uh, Who are some of the hitters to watch for this weekend? Well, I mean, this is where this the stretch that Indiana is on is kind of mind boggling to me. They have five guys riding a 10 game or longer hit streak. Wow. I mean, games? It, yes, Goodness. it's it's unbelievable. It's we just had a, one guy had his six game hit streak snapped on Tuesday. Um, and so now it's down to five of 10 or longer. So at the top of the order, it's Philip, Bobby, Philip Glasser, Bobby Whalen, Devin Taylor, uh, and then Brock Tibbetts, who are all on a 10 game or longer hit streak. And then in the sixth spot, Josh Pines on a 10-game hit streak. And in the five spot, Carter Matheson's on a 15-game reach base streak. So the offense seems to be really gelling right now. The bottom three is where you hope you get one of those bottom three to give you a, a two-for-four kind of day, um, just one of them. And they have. They've continued. Pete's had his days at catcher. We're still without Matthew Ellis because of an injury right now. Um, so Pete's had to be the primary catcher and he's given you some days. He was great against Iowa, great against Illinois. 
Um, and then Hunter Jesse was so good last year. He's had a, a bit of a downtick this year, but he still has uh, those really good games. And Tyler Cerny's had multiple home run games. I mean, he, he just pops out of nowhere sometimes. Um, but in terms of specific, Devin Taylor oozes talent. He's a freshman, um, could could very well be the freshman of the year in the conference. Um, he's got 11 home runs on the year. He has had, I believe, seven home runs in his last nine games, something like that. Uh, it might be 10 now because he did not hit one against Ball State. But he's got 11 home runs. Uh, and then Philip Glasser, Brock Tibbetts. Tibbetts is your best batting average at about 390. Taylor leads you in home runs. And Philip Glasser is kind of your best, like, I'm going to go and get get this thing started in the leadoff spot kind of guy. Um, and then Bobby Whalen's just kind of like you're getting the dirt. I'm going to go. I'm going to go stretch this single into a double. I'm going to stretch this ground ball into a single. Um, just a warrior type of guy was a high school wrestler. He's got that kind of mentality to him. And then Carter Matheson, who was great last year, down year this year, but he still is hitting 270, 275 um, and still has all kinds of pop in that bat. So and then Josh Pine goes underrated because he's hitting sixth, but he is terrific hitting over 300 as well. So four guys in the lineup hitting over 300, five guys on a 10 game hit streak. Uh, it is really a potent lineup and you think you've got them down like, like Iowa did and they can just kind of snap up and bite you. So it, it is a really deep lineup. It's a good lineup and it's one that you're probably not going to get through two or three times without them doing some sort of damage. And then on the pitching side, you mentioned, you know, the Saturday ace, uh, who are a few of the other arms in specific that Turf fans should keep an eye out for? Yeah, I mean, you're going to see Ryan Kraft. He's he's the best arm on the team. Uh, has a 1-3-0 ERA. It was 0-7-5. He actually got hit pretty hard against Ohio the other day. Uh, it was his first earned runs allowed in 32 innings. Uh, when he pitched against Ohio over the weekend, he hadn't allowed an earned run since the second weekend of the season. Um, but he, is, he has been terrific. Had a, almost a 10 ERA a year ago. Now has a 1-3-0 ERA this season. He can he started the season and just kind of fell into the closer role. Got five saves really early in the season. And then they just this team has the thought process of we don't want to save our closer for adding seven through nine. If our starter struggles, it's a close game in the fourth. They put their closer in then. And that's where his role has kind of evolved. They started putting him in early. And then all of a sudden, he would just carry the rest of the way. They put him in the fifth, he'd pitch the last five innings. Put him in the fourth, he'd pitch the last six innings. So he has starter length coming out of the bullpen. He can give you 80 to 90 pitches um, if if needed. So he's going to be the number one bullpen arm. Craig Yoho has been number two, uh, more of a late inning guy. He'll stay, I think, for the most part in that late inning spot. And then uh, Connor Foley's had saves in each of his last two appearances, an inning against Ohio and two innings against Ball State. I Right from when I saw him, he has a closer build. He has a closer repertoire. It's a fastball that can clock up to 96, 97 right now as a true freshman, and he's got some good off-speed stuff. And, and if he can land the slider, it, it just becomes – almost unhittable. So I just kind of right when I saw him, I said he could eventually be the ninth inning guy that you bring in and he just pumps heat at you and then kills you with a slider. And he's starting to do that. He's still a little bit like a freshman, you know, he's got those outings, but he's been really solid. Um, and then I think Brayden Reisdorf's really coming along. 
Uh, he's a guy who can give you two to four innings. He can start a game and kind of be your opener, or he can give you some middle relief, or he's had, I believe, two saves this season. And then Ethan Phillips is the uh, pitcher of the week in the Big Ten this week. He gave four and a third against Louisville last week, allowed just one unearned run and one hit, uh, and then no runs in four innings against Ohio. So he has all, he was just kind of out of nowhere, um, didn't travel with the team the first two weeks, first few weeks, I believe. And then uh, and he's just kind of started to really come come into himself. So that's another one. You're going to see a lot of freshmen uh, and a lot of transfers. Only three holdovers from this entire pitching staff from last year to this year that aren't injured. Grant Holderfield's out for the year. And really only one of those three holdovers sees significant time, and that's Ryan Kraft. Everybody else is either a true freshman or a transfer, and they've pieced it together really well. Wow. And we've talked about this team's strengths on, on the offensive side, you know, uh, Ryan Kraft on, on the bullpen side of things. So what do you think have been, you know, one or two of these uh, of, of this team's weaknesses? Yeah, I think sometimes there is a knack for when they're going against an ace, uh, just kind of being defeated prematurely. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but like they, they've, when they've gone against really good pitching, sometimes these guys will have some uncompetitive at-bats. And I think back to the Iowa series, there was a lot of that in those first two games. Just And and, and those two starters, Brecht and Morgan, are terrific. Uh, but it was a lot of just a lot of strikeouts, and that's where they can fall into. They're usually pretty good about earning their walks, avoiding strikeouts, but they can sometimes get into that that hole there. Uh, but I think the biggest weakness is the bottom three in the lineup. You hope that you can get, like I said, one, two for four day, one for three with a couple RBI, that kind of thing from one of those guys, Tyler Cerny, Hunter Jesse, or Peter Ceruto. Pete's a terrific defensive catcher. All three guys are really good defensively, but they can sometimes go through lulls uh, offensively. So that's kind of where the weakness gets. If you've got to do up in a big inning where it's seven, eight, nine, you get a little bit nervous. Um, those guys can all deliver. They just have not done it as consistently as the top six have in the order. Um, and then I, I think when you get into Sunday, testing the depth of the bullpen, because they are deeper this year. They are better this year, but they are still freshmen. A lot of them are freshmen. So you putting these guys in big spots, how will they respond? Um, for the most part, they've been pretty good, but that could still come back to bite you at some point. Hopefully it will not. Awesome. And then and last one for you in terms of surprises, you know, you've talked about uh, the bullpen and only having three holdovers from last season who are playing this year. Um, and then the offense being as good as it's been. What have been like one or two of the biggest surprises that you've seen from the Hoosiers this season? Well, Ryan Kraft is is probably number one. I just last year he he showed some signs, but for the most part would have outings where he'd go two thirds of an inning and give up eight runs. And it just in the blink of an eye, a game's over. And now this year he can give you six scoreless innings against a very good offense in Illinois at their ballpark with the wind blowing out. I mean, it, he is his stuff has changed. His slider is really good. He's going up and in on righties now, which was something they really wanted to do. Um, he's the number one surprise to me. But I think just number two, the freshman class. I mean, Devin Taylor started the year one for 11 at the plate, was not getting consistent playing time through the first couple of weeks of the season. And now he's hitting 350, leading the team in home runs with 11. He's got over 40 RBI. Um, just 
shot out of a cannon. It started in that, uh, I think the Moorhead State series was, I think he hit three home runs in that series, including a uh, game tying home run in the ninth inning. And that just kind of shot him out of a cannon. And he has been really good since. Now he's hitting a little bit of his freshman wall, which his freshman wall is going one for four, uh, which you'll take that. He's still again on that 31 game on base streak and 11 game hit streak. But um, but he's been really good. Tyler Cerny's been solid and the pitchers. I- I'm just so impressed by the pitchers. Um, they continue to give you enough. Sometimes it is six to eight runs allowed, but your offense has scored nine to 11 and it's OK. They do what is needed to do. They don't do what happened last year where all of a sudden you're down 17 to two and you're wasting arms because you just want to get through the rest of the day. Like that doesn't happen. And they've done a really good job of being competitive, keeping this team in it. And uh, I just hope that keeps up because uh, there's a lot of talent in this team. And they, they, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't think people saw this coming from outside of Bloomington and probably not even from outside that clubhouse. Um, But it has been a, a very fun season, and I look forward to seeing where they can take it. Awesome. Well, should be a lot of fun this weekend, both on the offense and, and the pitching side at the BART. Thank you so much, Austin, for joining me. And where can fans find you if they want to check out more Hoosier baseball coverage? Yeah, uh, I'm on social media. It's just uh, my name on Twitter. Um, I usually will direct you toward the links for our broadcast. We're always uh, locally on uh, WHCC105.com. That's where all of our broadcasts go. Um, Yeah, it should be a lot of fun this weekend. I'm super excited. Uh, Like I said, one of the bigger series that we've had at the BART in a long, long time. Uh, find yourself in first place halfway through the season is is right where you want to be, but there's still half the season to go. So you got to go earn it this weekend. I guess a team who uh, does not lose series all too <laughs> often. So uh, this will be a good test. Awesome, Austin. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll, I'll see you uh, later this week. Sounds good. Thanks, Aaron.